You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback, and preview Monday Night Football between the Lions and the Packers. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with former NFL quarterback Sean Salisbury. Sean, we appreciate the time as always. We know the Giants' defense is battered. Still quite an achievement to score 51 points as the Rams did yesterday. How far has Jared Goff come this year under the guidance of new head coach Sean McVay? And thanks for having me on, guys. You know, it's been – this is one of the great quantum leaps we've seen in 2017. Um, you know, and I don't think we gave Jared Goff enough – you know, he didn't have enough stress, enough body work for us to really judge him. And they had a putrid offensive staff in the way they play call last year, and they weren't very good. And that's obvious. And it's interesting, you know, when you talk to former players, and I can remember talking this offseason to Jack Youngblood, to Jackie Slater – Eric Dickerson, they all had one thing in common when they talked about the new coach. And Wade Phillips, I actually interviewed him, and he said the exact same thing. The guy has a great football mind who commands respect and energy when he walks into a room. And you're thinking, well, it's 31-year-old head coach with some guys on the team older than him. And so that's important. Instead of having to force-feed leadership, you actually get it when you walk into a room and by the way you handle the players around you. It's been amazing. I think he's done a great job of protecting golf and keeping him out of uh, horrific situations, which some coaches are not good at. And they're doing a, you know, the, the funny thing about it is it's not like their defense is the most dominant defense in the league, although they have a hell of a coach. And with Aaron Donald, they're going to build this. They still don't have the most explosive weapons in the league. Their running back's really good, but they still got to build the perimeter. And their offensive line's getting better. So when you look at him, the, the puzzle's pretty good. I mean, it's not like there's, they're not going to send eight guys to the Pro Bowl, but I really like it seems that they get better every week. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Seahawks go ahead and blink. The Rams are going to win the division if they do. And the Seahawks are a better team on paper. That doesn't mean a hill of beans when you've got a quarterback who seems to be confident. And when somebody believes in you at that position, you will elevate your play. And Sean McVay is a great teacher. Now, you notice I didn't put him coach first. To me, great coaches teach first and coach second. I can find anybody to yell and scream and do all that. And he's put a staff around him that he trusts and the guys that are, that are actually developing these guys and making them better players, not just treating them like, oh, they're getting paid, so we don't have to coach them and teach them. I, I couldn't be more impressed with this team. And at this stage of the season, it's not fake. Now, they may go through a two-game losing streak, but what it looks to me like there's a confidence about this team. I, I think the Rams are real. I think the Rams are going to make the playoffs. And I don't think the Rams are even thinking just getting the playoffs. I think they're thinking, you know, we played Seahawks in a close game the first time, that we're going to win the division. And I just love the way they've portrayed that attitude and how their coaches instilled that in that team. Sean, you know I always love when you come on because you give some outstanding insight. Um, give, me, give me your perspective on the Jacksonville Jaguars. You mentioned two words. You mentioned respect and energy. Tom Coughlin, 
He comes back to Jacksonville. That is immediately on the dinner table that all the guys are actually eating. You look at this defense, allowing 14 points a game, 35 sacks, leads the National Football League. That's why they call him Sacksville. And Blake Bortles, he's playing some good football. I hear the sirens in the background. They may be about to get me because I may be starting some trouble here. <laughs> but you have Blake Bortles who's playing great football with a backfield. Is as good as it is for him there in Jacksonville? How real is this football team in Jacksonville? And I love this point on this team, Cordell. There's so many branches to this tree, too, with this football team. And one, you mentioned Coughlin. Now, you think about this now. I don't know how is the ankle would have been, you know, if he would have been capable of playing yesterday. But they've sent a loud message, Tom Coughlin. You're Leonard Fournette. You're a great football player. But like he did in New York, we're going to do the small things, dude. When you're told to show up for a team photo, you're going to show up on time. When you're told to show up for treatment, you're going to show up on time. Oh, you're not playing. And I think it's not the big things that crumble the house. It's the little things that lead to the big things that crumble the house. So loud message sent, Fournette will learn, and he is one hell of a football player. Then you look at that defense, and guys, I'm going to tell you, I start to look at great defenses and how they were built. Seattle, Baltimore, the Texans, Steelers, Cordell in the past. You build it inside out, but you also build it with a bunch of dudes who fly around, who don't care who gets the credit, and that, will, that, aren't, that aren't set on just playing zoner, man. They're doing a lot of different things. That front seven's nasty. Look at what, Calais, look what Calais Campbell's doing. He's a defensive MVP in the league right now. you got Jalen Ramsey, who I think is as good a corner as there is in the league. You get Bouye. So they're very good. They, they, you can't get comfortable. They don't let you breathe, man. They sack you, and if you do get time to throw, they hit you when you throw it. And the back end's one of the best in the league. We're talking about a team that right now, and going into the last few weeks, I said they're a quarterback away from being a late January and possible February team along with the Patriots and Steelers. And I still believe that now, the last couple weeks. And here's the key for Bortles, and I think, Cordell, you know this too. One is when he's not playing under duress, they jump out in front and they keep that lead early, and then they just build that lead and it's 23-3 to or 24-10. to He's comfortable and he plays good football. The key here is when it's 7-7 seven to seven in the middle of the fourth quarter, what Blake Bortles is going to show up. And I'm still waiting to see that. But the last couple weeks, he's played great. As long as he doesn't throw it to the other team and makes some key throws and stays ahead of the chains with that running game and that defense, they're going to be scary in January. They're a playoff team, there's no question. I still think now if Bortles plays like this, we're talking about a different football player. But I still think they're a, a quarterback away from being a dominant team. That defense is no joke. The running game is no joke. Young wide receivers. So the key, and it, it really it comes down, I don't like to put it on one player. If Bortles will stay the course, Jacksonville's dangerous. If he won't turn it over under clutch situations and just keep it close, they can win. The key is when they run into Tennessee and it's 14-14 to 14 and, and there's eight minutes to go and he has to throw to win, then what? Or they're down seven points and he's got to throw them into it. I'm still waiting to see that, but the way he's played recently – makes Jacksonville one of the most dangerous teams in the AFC. Their, 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 defense, their defense will put you their foot on your throat and twist their cleat. They're nasty, man. They are nasty. Sean Salisbury is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Sean, you're based in Texas. You know Houston very well. Sean Watson was sensational this year. When he went down with the torn ACL, did he take the rest of the Texan season with him based on what Tom Savage failed to do yesterday? Yes. And I'm not an all-or-nothing guy. I'm not an always or never guy very often in sports. To say always or never is hard to do. But you just watched, and I do a Sunday show with a couple of my partners here in 
and I see we have nine monitors. You see every game and every play. And you could almost feel the energy sucked through the TV set without Deshaun Watson. It's just weird. Look what he's done with his what he's done to what he's done for Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien went from the last four years just kind of a boring play caller to because he had a bunch of average quarterbacks to bang Deshaun Watson comes. I can do a lot of different things. And he step outside his comfort zone. Tom Savage comes back in, bam, right back to Osweiler, to T.J. Yates, to Brian Hoyer, to guys that are decent players, but nothing that allows you to step outside your comfort zone and allow a guy who's just a different cat, man. This guy's different. And I knew, you knew he was different, and he's doing more than validating that. And then you watch the defense. The defense kind of had, even without Watt and Merciless, with Watson, playoff caliber team. Without Watson, they even have given up plays. And there's just an energy. This guy... There's only a handful of players in the league that I think at that position that when they play, things are different, that they can carry a bunch of guys on their back for weeks at a time and take like a good hitter can in baseball for a month. Watson's that guy. Now, of course they're going to play the games, but they lost to it. The Colts couldn't beat us three. And they beat mm. the Texans in the Texans building. So, And a lot of that had to do with missed throws. Protection broke down again. There's just an energy level. This guy takes ordinary players and makes them extraordinary. Now, Hopkins is extraordinary, but they don't have 20 weapons on offense. They don't. Mar Miller's pretty good, and Will Fuller can be good at times. But Watson and Cordell knows this. He's been on teams that Cordell's made better. He's taken guys that are a six and made them an eight. Watson does that, and they're not going anywhere, guys. They're just not explosive enough, and they can't win many games without him. They'll, they'll, they'll stumble into a few. But I'm going to tell you now, when you start to look at the future for this team and this kid, Every, I haven't talked to an expert yet, and I ask the same question all the time. In the next five years, if you had a hundred grand and had to bet it that he'll win a Super Bowl or not, would you say yes or no? And every person to a man has said yes, and they haven't even asked who the players around him are. That's how good this guy is. He's a different dude, man. He really is. How about the Atlanta Falcons? I mean, this team was was positioned for his talent was concerned. Signing Devontae Freeman to a new deal, you still have Coleman. I mean, you had Julio Jones coming back, the former MVP, last year's MVP, and uh, Matt Ryan playing, and you all of a sudden see a game against the Carolina Panthers, which obviously this has been happening all year, where he drops a pass where he's wide open in the latter part of the fourth quarter. Not just that one play, but it's been a culmination a lot on defense, (laughs) offense, play calling. What's going on in Atlanta uh, to the point where it looks as bad as it looks? Because they don't look like a team that went to a Super Bowl last year. Yeah, I don't even know if they're a playoff team, Cordell. And this offseason, one of the big questions we had was after that 28-3 to where they got that game in the Super Bowl, and how tough would it be for them to overcome what Brady did to them? And you know what? You think, well, they're pros. They get paid. Is the Super Bowl hangover real? I'm telling you, he hadn't left. And that's not the only reason. But it's not. Now, think about the last couple of weeks. Miami, they're up 17. Can't hold the lead. They don't score in the second half. Boom. Dolphins come back and beat them. Yesterday, they got a lead. Boom, Carolina comes back, scores a bunch of unanswered points, beats them. There's a lot of reasons. I, I, I'm t- this team right now, if you're talking about the, the teams on paper that are supposed to be good, this, them and Tampa Bay really disappoint me, and they're in the same division. But uh, this is one of the most overrated teams in the league this year. You're right, Cordell. Come on, Matt, Matt's better than this. He's got to be. Or is he? Is he the Super Bowl Matt Ryan? Or is this the two years ago Matt Ryan that is first year with Kyle Shanahan? Okay, or is it last year's Matt Ryan? Or is it now, is this him, first year Steve Sarkeesian? At some point in time, you just got to take it and grab it around the throat and go win. And for some reason, they're throwing too many picks again. 
So making some ill-advised throws. There's an energy lacking. The defense can't get off the field in the second half of a football game. There's the, the matchup problems. They're not creating the same way we saw them with Coleman and Freeman in the backfield. Now, Coleman had a touchdown catch on that little pitch screen, tunnel screen yesterday, but the, they're not deploying it the way they used to. Now, I don't know if it's Matt Ryan and Sarkeesian. I don't know if it's a Super Bowl hangover. I don't know if it's all of it. But I'm going to tell you right now, you think about it, Cordo, they, they could have had minimum of two other losses. The Bears, if there's not a drop ball at the one-foot line right. in, in the opener, they yep. lose that one. And it gets Detroit, if Golden State has two more inches ahead, and you know, it falls forward two more inches, they win that game, and Stafford brings them from behind after being down by a bunch of points. So, you know what? This team, at this point in the season, we can't make excuses for them. Everybody's banged up. Everybody's tired. The Atlanta Falcons look to me like a team that really doesn't know their identity this year, and it shows. And their biggest identity is their inability to put people away. And we saw it at the end of last year, and that hasn't changed in 2017. Taking you around the league with Sean Salisbury, who is a proud USC alum. So let's start on the path of the draft. How good of a pro do you think Sam Darnold's going to be, even though interceptions are up this year? And what do you make yep. of the report he could stay in school for another year rather than head into the draft to avoid certain teams like the Browns? I And I find it hard, just from my perspective, he's a really good kid, guys. He is. He's a... He is a non. You watch him when they win games. He doesn't sober celebrate. He has a pretty, a really, good, you know, good perspective. Um, but he's got a quick. I, I can't make excuses. He turns the ball over too much, and I don't think it's because he doesn't have ability. His, his arm ability and his feet are amazing. I think what he does is at times he gets a little careless with the football and trusts his ability to throw the ball a little too much at times. And we all do that. That's part of the ego. Cordell will tell you. Show me a quarterback without guts, and I'll show you a guy who can't play in the league. But. Mm. There's also that point in time when you got to say, hey, man, there's three dudes on a guy. I can't throw it to them. i got to check it down and throw it out of bounds. He'll learn. He's a redshirt sophomore. But the Trojans have been overrated this year. They get physically pushed around. I can tell you this about him. He's going to be, if he leaves school this year, he's going to be a first, second, or third pick of the draft. They're not gonna, you cannot pass on an upside franchise potential quarterback and say, oh, I threw picks. You're going to overcome that. We've seen guys turn the ball over. Heck, didn't didn't we hear this message about Deshaun Watson? Oh, too many turnovers at Clemson. Can't throw the intermediate pass. How'd that work out for him? All he did was win big games when it mattered. Darnold's got that in him, guys. He can make throws into windows, and he already has that, and Cordell knows his ability to throw people open instead of wait till they're open. So he's going to be a great He's going to be a really good player. Now, if he decides to stay in school, God bless him. I want my Trojans to go with a tie. I'll be selfish, and I'd love it. But smart business decision. I don't see how any guy in the history – now, Andrew Luck did it, and he gambled. It paid off for him. But I don't see how if you're the first, second, or third, or fourth pick of the draft, you can risk going back to school. I just don't. Now, if the Cleveland Browns, if you want to get drafted, say, listen, Cleveland, I'm coming in the draft, but if you draft me, I'm not showing up, then I guess you can put that out there. But there's also the ego of some who say, you know what, I'm going to go fix the franchise because they're probably going to have a new coach, maybe new front office. So – my gut tells me if he knows he's going to be a top three pick, he's leaving the draft. Now, in truth, he'd probably rather be the second pick than the first pick. But he is a, he's going to be a great player. But the next level is he's, he's ready physically. He's probably not ready right now. But then again, who is as a redshirt sophomore? The emotional part and the ability to understand coverages. And he's a little bit in over his head with that. But that goes with learning and getting kicked in the mouth and being able to come back against adversity. Regardless of when Sam Darnold comes out, I assure you, this is a different type of kid. He's the best. I, I think Carson Palmer, Lion, we've had a lot of good ones there. 
he's got the most ability of anybody that's ever come out of there. I don't care what anybody says he does. You mentioned the player not being ready. Uh, Carson Wentz coming out of North Dakota State. They said he wasn't ready. They didn't know for sure if he can get it done because of the talent pool they have throughout the FCS out there in that division and conference. The kid is playing some really darn good football. How good do you think he is? And should he have been taken as the number one quarterback taken overall last year? Yeah, you know what? I, Cordell, and I always write it down. It's not one of those. It's like, oh, hindsight. My two quarterbacks, when he came out in that draft, I had Wentz one and Dak Prescott two before the draft. That was that was in my order. And then I think that was Wentz three and uh, – not Wentz, but, uh, but uh, the kid from Memphis, uh, Paxton Lynch. Oh, three, Paxton and, then, and Dolph three or four, you could shuffle him any way you wanted. But I did have it, and I, I thought Wentz was going to be a good player because I like how big and physical he was. And I talked to his head coach, and he knows how to win. You know how this is, Cordell. You get used to winning at any level. It becomes contagious, and it's a habit. doesn't matter if it's high school, Pop Warner, Little League, basketball gym, boys club, no matter what level. And he was used to winning because that's what they did is win national titles there. But he also came from a semi-pro style set that allowed him to be a little bit ahead of the curve mechanics-wise getting to Philadelphia. And look at him last year. Started fast, and then got kicked around. He had a slow second half of the season. People question, oh, should he have been, you know, should he have been picked with the number, the second quarterback picked, all those things. But what I love is he stayed the course big, about 6'4", 6'5", 240. He's got a thick lower half, his, his legs, and he's powerful. Great seat, and it looked to me like, and you know, it's good sometimes. We've seen great quarterbacks get knocked around. Carr in, in Oakland his rookie year, Elway. Aikman struggled his rookie year. Peyton Manning led the league in interceptions. It's hard, man. That's why there's only a handful of elite guys. And what he's done is take what he learned last year on a bad receiving core. They went out and got him some help. He continued to work and beat up on his mechanics to the point to where they don't break down under pressure. And now he's feeling it, man. He's feeling with accuracy. He's playing tough. Um, he's a big, strong guy. So I love him. And I think the leap, though, Cordell, we can all say we thought he was going to be a good player. I don't think any of us thought that he'd be the leading candidate for the MVP in year two. But it just goes to show you what happens when you put your time in and you believe in yourself and you've got a coach that puts you in the right situation and surrounds you. And they didn't even quit. Even though he'd been playing well, what do you do? You go out and get him a full-time running back in Jay Ajayi, and, and now you got a guy who can average five yards of carry and take your play-action game to another level. So he's real. Philadelphia's real. And uh, when you look at guys like him and Prescott, they're just big, strong dudes that can throw with accuracy, throw on time, but they can also stand in there, get knocked in the mouth, and keep delivering. And uh, I was a big fan of his, but you never know until you see him under fire. And so far this year, he's played damn good the first half of the season, along with Brady, probably the MVP in the first half. Sean, always tremendous to have you on the show. We love your passion and energy. Thanks for giving us a few minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn. You guys are the best. Honored to be on. I sure appreciate you calling me. Thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Take it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown. Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. 
This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on today's top stories with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ, undeniably Julio Jones, one of the best players in all of football. He dropped a touchdown pass yesterday directly in his hands. Was it just one of those days for your Falcons, or is this team dealing with real significant issues? You know what, b I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think it's very noticeable that they have some issues, especially offensively. I thought defensively they've kept you in the game the last few weeks. And even in this game, they gave up a few plays, but it kept you in the ball game. It gave you a chance. And when, you know, you, you keep a team within 20 points and you have an explosive offense where you're supposed to, then you should have a chance to win the ball game. Uh, I think the play by Julio, I think we know nine times out of ten, Julio comes down with that and, it might have just not been your day, uh, but he, he still had over 100 yards, had some big plays. They still had a chance uh, there toward the end of the ball game to win the game or at least go and tie it. So this is a, a team that's that's struggling offensively, and, and that's not an understatement. They they have definitely not been the offense they were last year, and uh, it's some things here and there that's really uh, been the issue for uh, this team and why they're 4-4 and right now. Yeah, and I have to be honest with you, DJ. Uh, I think they're struggling mentally um, and actually how they play on the field because I think they're they're allowing the changes to affect them. And and, and Bill Pars- Bill Belichick says it best. The team that he had last year, even though they've added new pieces and everyone talks about the team as being much better, it's a totally different football team. They haven't made the adjustments with Steve Sarkeesian the way they should to allow them to play football, which I think now we have an opportunity to see plays like what we saw from Julio Jones happen and also miss cues by Matt Ryan that we haven't seen happen in a long time. So when will this team get over the hump of making the excuse that it's Steve Sarkeesian, it's Coach Sarkeesian, it's the, you know, the play calling is different. It's all about what you do on the football field because the coach can't make the plays for you. Right. And that's part of it is, yeah, people talk about Sarkeesian, and yeah, there have been times where that has happened, but uh, it, it all comes down to execution. And they haven't executed at a level that you expect them to execute with the type of player that they have who've been around this team, been around this league for, you know, eight, ten-plus years, like a Matt Ryan. And they intercept you, he throws before halftime. He'll tell you nine times out of ten he shouldn't have went there. They they run a double post, and the safety takes the first post, and Cordell, QB, we know that's what we want. If he takes that first post, they got you got Muhammad Sanu running that second post right down the middle of the field, wide open, and you got a big play. And uh, I'm not sure if they're pressing because they're not making those big explosive plays they're used to or, or what. And uh, I can only go back to the execution part of it. And I'll tell you guys a, a really crazy stat from this ball game was the Falcons had nine plays on second, third, or fourth down of two yards or less. And in those nine plays, they had a total of one yard. And that has nothing to do with play calling. That's just the offensive line and one guy, man on man, that guy in front of you, you got to move him a half yard or a yard to get a first down. And it's just a want to. And I go back to how Cam reacted when it was a third or fourth and one and he wanted to go for it and they were about to punt the football. He had a mindset of, Coach, I guarantee you I can get this. And right now, I don't think the Falcons have that right now, especially in short, short yardage situations in that ball game. It, it was atrocious for them not to be able to convert those and then convert them into points later on in the game. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ Dallas put together 
An impressive win over Kansas City. If Ezekiel Elliott has to serve his six-game suspension at some point, how much confidence do you have that Dak Prescott can keep this offense on track? And how about the improved Dallas defense we saw yesterday? Well, I'll tell you one thing. We'll be excited. Will be uh, the Atlanta Falcons if that comes down on Thursday. But knowing the way he's been going, you know he can get suspended and be back on Saturday. Who knows? But uh, Dak has shown the ability to be able to carry the load. Uh, he's been a guy who has done a good job of taking care of the football. He, he hasn't been the guy who's turned it over as much uh, as you would probably expect him to in his second year. Uh, obviously, having a good run game is big, and I was glad to see them get Dez involved. He had been kind of the disappearing after the last couple of games. You haven't seen much of him, but uh, he got thrown the ball a few times, made some plays, and, and Dak is a, a very good quarterback, and we've seen that, and, and we know it's just not a one-year wonder for him. And I think what you just mentioned, B-Web, is his defense, uh, the way they've been able to turn people over, the way they've been able to get after quarterbacks. Uh, I can't remember who it is. They're one of their uh, defense linemen has 10 sacks, I believe, 10 and a half sacks, I believe it is. So they're getting to the quarterback. They're affecting the quarterback. And the defense is another reason why they're playing so well because you don't have to force your offense and put all that pressure on Dak to score points every time, every time they have the football. DJ, the New Orleans Saints has gone on a six-game terror. I mean, these guys have really – these players have really stepped their game up. Uh, they found their mojo, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, caused uh, Jameis Winston to not be able to come back because he ended up re-injuring his AC joint and his throwing arm. Um, give me your take on what you've seen from them so far. Of course, special teams did a good job yesterday getting a touchdown to in the last six games, the games they've won. They've only allowed, what, 15 points on an average per game. Uh, give me your take on New Orleans and how do you guys get yourself prepared for the best team within that division? Well, that's the main point right there is giving up 15 points a game. I mean, that's crazy for a defense you thought that would be the reason why they would not be good. You knew for years that Drew Brees was put up 25, 30 points a game, and you were just trying to keep up. Now you got a defense to match an offense like that that you know is going to score points. You have a quarterback who you know is going to uh, uh, be really good, especially in the clutch for you. But to add a defense that's going to shut you down, they have guys on the outside and the defensive in the secondary that can cover, that, that won't give up the big plays that we're used to over the past couple of years. This is a New Orleans Saints team that's looking like one of the better teams in the NFC right now. You talk about the Winston they went on, they played great defense, hadn't turned it over. Drew Brees has been himself, and it's just been one of those things where the Falcons are going to have a tough task in this division, especially after losing this game to Carolina. You're already behind the eight ball, but the good thing about it is you're, you're two games behind New Orleans but you get to see him twice. So you, you kind of control uh, that facet of it. And, uh, you know, Cordy, I, I want to ask you, have you ever did what James Winston did to get this team fired up? I mean, did you ever eat your fingers for a W? Or? <laughs> eat the W, know. right? Eat the W? He want to eat yeah, some yeah. W's? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never done that one before. Uh, no, I, I, I don't think I had the courage to, to let them see me eat a W. <laughs> I mean, uh, that, but that's who he is. You go all the way back to Florida State. And you watch how he did his thing with his team and, you know, and how he got those guys, you know, ready to play and the players respected him, responded to him well and took him to two national championship back-to-back years. And he's taking that same mindset, I think, to Tampa. And, and they follow that. But, you know, eating a W, ooh, 
That's, that's a whole different one right there, DJ. I must be honest, it's a different he, he, one. He didn't just get the fingertips. He went like knuckle deep in trying oh, to whole thing. thing. That was weird. And now we know that was Mike, a small W. Mike Evans is eating a game check. He got suspended by the league for one game for that fracas. We'll talk about more in detail in hour number two of the program. DJ Shockley, former Falcons quarterback, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. DJ, the Giants are a debacle, one and seven. They got destroyed by the Rams yesterday. Do you think they would really consider benching Eli Manning this season? He has started 207 consecutive games, and that is a foundation for his Hall of Fame case in addition to the two Super Bowl victories. I think it all depends on where they want to go at the season. If they're just complacent with, okay, we want Eli to have this record, then he's going to continue to start. They're going to give him the respect of a guy who's been around this long, to have that opportunity, but if you want to salvage your season, if you want to go out and, and have guys believe in what the future can be, then I, I believe Eli is not your guy right now. You, you, if this is happening any place else with any other quarterback, I think you're already making a change or you're thinking about making a change, but because of what you mentioned and that legacy and uh, how he wants to go out, and uh, obviously he's on the tail end of it, then it, it just depends on where this franchise is looking to go, and right now it doesn't seem like they're going anywhere but down. So if they want to they want to take a chance on possibly saving their season and guys actually fighting each and every game, then I believe it's time for a change with Eli. But if you just want to say, keep the streak going, then you probably stay in the same uh, field you're in now and continue losing games. The number one, number one quarterback and number two quarterback in, in the 2015 draft – um, end up throwing four touchdowns apiece yesterday. That's Jared Goff and also Carson Wentz. I've always been a Carson Wentz fan from the time in which I knew he had an opportunity to come out and, and be a top player taken. He is truly playing that way. Jared Goff, he's made his way to be that guy to take be taken as the number one player taken overall and leading his team to being able to score 51 points yesterday against those Giants that you're talking about. If you had to take a quarterback right now with how they're playing, which quarterback would you take, Jared Goff or Carson Wentz? I'm still taking Carson Wentz. I, I love Carson Wentz more when he came out. I thought he should have been the number one pick over Jared Goff just because of the body of work, the way he went out and uh, his mobility when he came out of North Dakota State. I mean, he was one of those guys that really uh, was exciting to watch. And now you're starting to see it with the pieces around him. He has all the intangibles, and each and every week he seems like he's beginning to get better. Now – on the other side of it, golf now, it's amazing what confidence does for you. It's amazing when you got a new voice in your head, uh, a different teaching or somebody, you know, kind of slowing the game down for you, then having a run game with Gurley. It's amazing what confidence does for quarterbacks. And you can see golf is playing with that kind of confidence, not just in them winning games, but in how he's throwing the football around, the way he's playing week in and week out, regardless of who he's playing against. Golf has definitely gotten better, but from day one, I'm all on the, the winch train, and until uh, until he, he, he gets hurt or he, he doesn't continue to play to that caliber, uh, Wentz has been the guy for me. DJ, great information as always. Hope you can eat some W's this week, and we'll chat with you a week from today on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, man, I'm going to twist them up for you, man. Y'all be good, fellas. I appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Patriots fans, Tom Brady's first audiobook, The TB12 Method, How to Achieve a Lifetime of Sustained Peak Performance, is now playing on TuneIn Premium. As I was running through my typical football training regimen, I knew one thing for sure. 
I'd never thrown the ball as well as I did that day. In this deeply practical athlete's Bible, listen in as the five-time champion reveals his revolutionary approach to sustain peak performance that has helped him stay at the top of his game. My ability to sustain my peak performance over the past 10 years is almost unbelievable to me. Filled with lessons learned from Brady's personal training experience, the TB12 method also advocates for more effective approaches to cognitive fitness, nutrition, and other lifestyle choices that dramatically decrease the risk of injury while amplifying performance and quality of life. TB12 method focuses on developing and maintaining something that many people have probably never heard of muscle pliability catch the tb12 method how to achieve a lifetime of sustained peak performance by tom brady on tune in premium today this is nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart we continue on nfl no huddle the podcast since the eagles and rams both scored 51 points on sunday which team has the superior offense let's discuss Let's spend time talking about everything that's working for Philadelphia. Cordell and Jay Ajayi, sparkling debut, scored a rushing touchdown in his first game for the Eagles after he was traded on Tuesday. Other than a lack of playoff experience, I don't see any flaws in Philadelphia. Do you? None. Zero. Zilch. I mean, this team is about as good as it gets when it comes to how they play. Um I mean, I know we see the Rams scoring a ton of points, but they even look better than the Rams right now. And the Rams look pretty darn good putting up 51 points. But the way they're doing it in Philadelphia, that's real-life football, meaning the defense that they play and how they are tenacious and and getting after the football with Fletcher Cox being the leader in all this. uh, To this offense, you add Jay Ajayi to the mix. And this team is truly playing some of the best offensive football. You hear some saying that they want to see more out of Alshon Jeffries. Like, I think I heard someone say it on the four-letter word ESPN. Well, we need to see Alshon Jeffries be, be like he's played like he's a number one. You don't need a number one in that system. Everything is about the West Coast-style offense and finding those areas where they aren't and getting the ball out of your hands quick. If they get a number one, then that prima donna mentality comes in. Alshon Jeffries is playing good football the way he's playing right now in company. Uh, whether it's Ertz being in or being out because of an injury and someone else filling in and playing good. I mean, think about it. You don't, you don't need to have a number one receiver in his offense to be successful. All you need is, I think Donovan McNabb mentioned that earlier, and of course him being a Philadelphia guy, of course he's going he's gonna, to you know, put a little more sauce on top of, of how he felt, but I don't think they need a number one guy. All they basically need is to continue to do what they're doing with players that's just doing their parts very, very well. When you get to the point where you need someone to step up to be a number one, the question is, then what happens to the next guy when it comes down to him having to be the number one on that particular play? To me, the number one is the guy that's open. The number one isn't the guy that's the best receiver because all of these receivers are really playing some darn good football. I mean, Alshon Jeffries had 84 yards. Burton had uh, 41 uh, Selleck had, uh, had 30, 39. I mean, look, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day when you really start breaking down how these teams plan, how the, when it comes down to guys doing their part and doing it very well. I think Burton is the third-string quarterback, tight end, by the way. I don't even think he's a, a second-stringer or a first-stringer for sure. We know Ertz is, but my goodness, if you're getting it done by committee, why should you touch it? This is the best team in football because these guys have bought into the system. They're playing like they're free and having a good time. They're not pressing. The offensive line is playing outstanding football right now. 
I mean, how many losses they've had on this offensive line uh, that put them almost in the position to have to fall from behind? I think um, they lost Jason Peters, their best offensive lineman. He and went filling down in with for the guy ACL. with the big name. Lane from Johnson's TCU. been banged up as well. Yeah. And so now all of a sudden the left tackle spot, that was, that was one that was a scary one to lose because you had Jason Peters who was out of there. He's gone for the year, obviously. You end up having his backup out of TCU. The big name, number 72. That's what I'll call him. You figure out how to say that name. You dock me for this one. You figure out. You, you put all the syllables and everything inside of that thing. That's huge. It's big league. But he fills in and does a phenomenal job because everyone was questioning, could it be done with a player of Peter's uh, um, skill set? Could someone fill in that void? And they did. This team is playing fast. They're playing strong. They have a very good quarterback that's playing. He's hot right now. You just wonder, with this bye week coming up, what would the focus be like? Where would they be? Um, or, or how would they actually uh, come out of that bye week, uh, getting themselves to prepare to move forward in their scheduling of, of games that they have in front of them? You know, They have Dallas as soon as they come off of the bye week. So they have to stay focused. It is mandatory. And I'm glad they have Dallas coming because they don't have time to, to, to you know, get comfortable in if they had the Giants or they had the Bears coming up next. They'd probably be a little bit more relaxed. But they're trying to win that division. You better believe Doug Peterson and Coach Schwartz, uh, Schwartz he's, he's telling them, the defensive coordinator, he's telling them, hey, look, guys, we got the Dallas Cowboys. They're moving forward. We don't know nothing about Ezekiel Elliott. We don't, we don't care about him. We have to make sure we take care of us. And how we prepare during this bye week is going to determine how we play come the week that we play against the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. So if you want to travel and do whatever, that's fine. But just know, come time when it's time for us to practice, you know, we got to be prepared and ready. Hydrate yourself. That's a big part. Get yourself conditioned. Start working out, run, make sure you keep your cardio level high, you know, and stay locked in and focused. And, and the quieter you stay, the better. You can, you know, sneak away real quick and maybe go somewhere real quick, fast, in a hurry. I mean, they'll probably get what? They'll probably practice this week a little bit, maybe have today off, come in today, look at film, get treatment. Tomorrow's an official day off. Probably come in, practice Wednesday, Thursday, maybe Friday, get Friday off. Have the weekend off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is a lot of time. Then come back on Monday to get that day of extra work in. Off Tuesday, get ready to go Wednesday. Play you know, play this that 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 Sunday because they have that after having that bye week against the Dallas Cowboys. So this is a big week for Philly, as far as injuries are concerned and recovering. You know, after playing their first nine games going into their tenth week, which is the bye week of this season. So I'm looking forward to see how this thing work out. Uh, fulfilling and wondering how they'll come back after having the bye. And they did it yesterday against a still very solid Denver defense. Let's contrast that to what the Rams did against a giant team that has fallen apart. Giants one in seven to give you a little perspective with Janoris Jenkins being suspended. Giants have more suspensions this year on defense than victories. And they got embarrassed yesterday at the Meadowlands worst home loss since 1964. Let's talk about what's working for the Rams, 
What's missing for the Giants? Let's start with Jared Goff. Career-high four passing touchdowns in the victory yesterday. Complete performance on all three phases. You know, every phase played played really, really well, offensively, defensively, special teams. And I thought offensively we, we had some good, uh, we had a really good plan coming in and um, executed it. At this stage, if you're Ben McAdoo, you have to be dreading every interaction with the media. Here's what he had to say yesterday. When you uh, play a talented football team and you handle the ball the way we handled the ball, you tackle the way you tackled today. Um, we punted, we had a block punt, and we struggled to cover a punt. Unfortunately, that's what that's what the scoreboard is going to look like. Cordell, I'm in a good mood on a Monday, so rather than kick around the poor Giants, and McAdoo also said every position now is going to be evaluated. That includes quarterback. Perhaps we'll see Davis Webb down the stretch. Giants are 1-7, matching up with the 0-9 49ers on Sunday. Somebody's got to win a football game, but let's move over to the Rams because I've been told good teams crush lousy teams, and that's exactly what they did. Think about what has been working for the Rams last few weeks, factor in the bye as well. Last two times we've seen them on the field, they have outscored their opponents 84-17, to I know they lost to Seattle, but you watch games. The Rams had five turnovers in that defeat against the Seahawks. Too early to say the Rams are definitely going to the playoffs, whether you're picking them to win the division or not. Are they a playoff team as of today? Yep. Yes, they are. They're a playoff team as of today. The points they put up on the board, regardless of who they're playing against, top-scoring offense in the National Football League, that 51 points got them up there. Um, Defensively, I mean, they're consistent in what they do. They haven't fallen off. Like we were waiting to see if this team was going to fall off after starting off 3-0. And this team has gotten better every week. This team, I was drinking the Kool-Aid after I saw maybe the first couple weeks of them playing. Todd Gurley getting 100 yards. Jared Goff playing like he's been around for some time. Playing good football without Aaron Donald. And then he comes back and then they start finding their, their niche just a little bit for his continuity up front on the front four. I mean, it's it's one of those cases where um, I kind of see it being one that is enriched in understanding what they need to do. I, I mean, Wade Phillips, Sean McVay, them two together, the energy that you see on this football field. See, people are going off of the history of this organization. They're not going off of what they're looking at consistently every week. It's not like they have – Defensive, a defensive coordinator, offensive-minded guy that don't know what they're doing. I think because of Wade Phillips, it's taking some pressure off of Sean McVay to be able to come in as a young coach as well as just young in general to be able to handle the entire ordeal. Ask Coach McAdoo how tough it is. He's struggling up there in New York when it comes to the Giants. There's no help. He's all by himself. But Sean McVay, he has the Wade Phillips approach. This defense is playing good now. This offense is reacting and playing good now. The quarterback doesn't look like he's a deer in headlights at all. And all the players on this roster that needs to make plays are making them across the board. Deep passes, short pass, intermediate passes um, to the yak, which is yards after the catch. Um, you name it, Jared Goff, you name it. He's getting, he is getting it done. I mean, when you look at some of these players on this roster and how they play, Robert Woods, think of him. I mean, how well did he play in this last game? He ends up catching a, a ball, and I think he ran like a crossing route. 
And before you know it, here it was. Rob has taken it to the house. And that was third and 33. Yeah. Third and 33, they scored a touchdown. Third and 33, he scored. And he had two touchdowns. Who is he? See, when we start talking about number ones, who is Robert Woods? Help me understand. Sammy Watkins had one catch, 67 yards. We know who that is. Who is Robert Woods when it comes down to a number one? Number ones in this day and era, in this day and time with these spread offenses, doesn't matter. That was number ones when we had fullbacks. When we started playing, eight, getting eight-man boxes to, to take away that fullback pressure coming up the middle, with, like, like, like I always say in Pittsburgh with, with Roosevelt Knicks. You know, now you don't have that anymore. You have one-back situations to three to four set receivers. And the guy that's open gets the ball, reverses. So to see Robert Woods end up being having four catches for 70 yards, 17.5 yards per rush. I mean, how about this average for Sammy, for Sammy Watkins? One catch, 67 yards. 67 yards per carry, <laughs> per catch. That average will stay high for a long time off of that one catch. But that was a big-time play. When you think about Robert Woods and, and being part of what they do in the Cooper Cup, um, being able to, to be a part of it as well. They're so, loaded with weapons. Todd Gurley is back. The offensive line's playing better. They the have back. improved against the run. Put yeah. it all together, they're a playoff team. Yes, but they are. As we wrap it up, I want to see them win on the road in Seattle in December before they're undefeated on the road right now, Garrett just by the way. By the way, they're undefeated, just to let you know. Yeah, you're right, and they won in London. That was a home game. That's a home game, but that was on the road, too. They had to Uh, travel just like the other team. Yes, sir. I'm just saying. I'm with you, I'm pumping the brakes. I'm not crowning anybody. It's a great story. I want to see more. They're going to the playoffs. Playoffs? Are you talking about playoffs? Yeah. I'm counting them in. And they beat the Seattle Seahawks on the road. Well, they have to. They lost at home to Seattle. Remember, they had the five turns. They have no choice but to get the split. But you know what? Because of that, wa- that loss to Washington this uh-huh. week, it really helps the Rams out tremendously. So even if they do get swept, if the Rams continue to take care of their business with other teams within the division and also throughout the conference, and they get a few wins, of course, we've seen them doing that outside the conference. With Seattle struggling the way they are, it doesn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if they win that division because these kids are. I mean, they're, come on, man. Think about it. I mean, that young energy of Sean McVay has. I think it's it's just it's just it's just trick it's trickling throughout. If that's a good word, it's just it's just permeating throughout all the team. From Infectious top to is the word. Infectious. Yeah, that's another good one you could throw in there. Thank you. It's contagious. Mm. And sometimes we use terms like contagious. We mean it for bad reasons, right? <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> Shelby Faye getting it done. I bet he's the most beloved guy in L.A. right now, isn't he? Could run for mayor, and he's a Ooh. handsome man. That does not hurt in the town. That How is, is Eric Dickinson feeling looks. about this one? Yeah, E.D.'s feeling good. Everyone's happy. <laughs> let's just not plan the route for the Super Bowl parade just yet. Ooh, let's go, Ram it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hi, this is Ned Coletti from MLB on TuneIn, inviting you to check out my new audio book, the Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. The day Frank McCourt made me the 10th general manager in the long, proud history of the Los Angeles Dodgers, November 15th, 2005, was monumental for the Coletti family. I've been blessed to spend the last 35 years in Major League Baseball, all with iconic franchises, the Cubs, the Giants, and the Dodgers, where I was a general manager for nine seasons. In the Big Chair, I let listeners in on the intricacies of being an executive and a GM of a major sports franchise, share the process behind the trades, free agency, and the deals. 
shedding some light on how the money and decision-making really works. I'll also take you deep inside some of the thought process behind some of the major decisions led to success and titles, along with heartbreak and failure. If you're a baseball fan, come for the inside and grit. If you're a sports fan, stay for the heart. Catch every exciting chapter of my new audiobook, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Cordell and I to go on the record with what we are more than sure is going to happen on Monday Night Football. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Before we pick the game, let's hear from Lion head coach Jim Caldwell on the Packers defense. When you got a guy that's leading the league in tackles, and, uh, you know, obviously those guys are a really good front seven. I mean, really good. They do a tremendous job up front. Daniels in the middle, Matthews, Nick Perry. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, a, a difficult bunch to handle. Cordell, with less than a minute to go, who wins tonight and why? That's a heck of a question, Brian. I tell you what, let me put it to you this way. Give me your favorite team amongst these two. Your favorite team. My favorite team. I don't root, but I am more of a Packer backer than a Lion fan. Okay. The reason why I asked that question is because who's the starting quarterback for that team? Right it's Hundley. You have, to go with the, you have to go with the Lions. The Lions is a much better team, I think, right now. They have more to play for. Not having Aaron Rodgers is the reason why this team loses. I picked the Lions winning 17-10. Okay, and the Lions win at 21-17. It'll be just their second victory at Lambeau since 1991, and we'll break it down tomorrow right here on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.